we we calculate about one dollar per square foot per inch of thickness. So in other words, if you have a thousand square foot building and the walls are four inches thick, it, the material cost is going to be about four thousand dollars. That includes the foundation slab, the walls, the arches, doorways, windows, the window frames, you know, all the entire aircrete structure finished with a reinforcing skin on it. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 59 with Hajar Jobran. The reason I asked Hajar on the show is because he's an expert in aircrete. Aircrete is a special preparation of concrete that introduces foam into the mix. So it's much lighter weight than traditional concrete. It actually floats in water. And because the aircrete has lots of air bubbles trapped in it, it's actually a very good insulator. I originally heard about aircrete while researching cob, which is a natural building method using clay. And I was fascinated by the speed at which an aircrete structure can be made and also the cost. While this method has been used for a long time and is frequently used in large-scale construction projects, Hajar has really democratized the process of building aircrete. He sells affordable kits that let you make the foam yourself and also teaches workshops where you'll learn how to build a 200-square-foot dome home in just 10 days. Even if you're thinking about a traditional stick-framed or SIPS tiny home, Aircrete could be a really interesting way for you to add a patio or add an outdoor pizza oven. The possibilities are endless. I hope you'll stick around for this interview with Hajar Jobran. All right, I am here with Hajar Jobran. Following the engineering program at San Diego State University, Hajar started Life Designs. He built his first solar home at the age of 24 and won several awards. For many years, he dedicated his work to the preservation of over 25,000 acres of virgin rainforest. A spiritual revelation inspired Hajar to author The Return of the Prophet, his award-winning sequel to the spiritual classic The Prophet by his great-uncle Khalil Gibran. It received a Nautilus Book Award and was published in more than 40 countries. While building the Gibran Center, Hajar developed a way of building domes that gained international recognition. He invented equipment and coined the word aircrete while founding Dome Gaia to help answer the need for quality, low-cost housing. Hajar Gibran, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ethan. It's a pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you. And, you know, I've heard the word aircrete kicked around on YouTube and Facebook groups about tiny houses, and I never really knew what it is. So I, like you do, start Googling, start watching videos on YouTube, and I found your TED Talk, and I found you, and you seemed like you are the man to talk to about Aircrete. Well, I probably am, since I'm the one who coined the term. Actually, it was only about three years ago. And I was amazed how fast it caught on <laughs> to where almost everyone I met had heard of it. It's really a name I gave to a material that's been around for a long time. In the industry, it's called cellular concrete or 
foam concrete, aerated concrete. And so for those of us who are not in the industry, I'm certainly, I, I don't think I've ever mixed up a batch of concrete myself. What What is it, basically? Well, it uh, it's based, it's a real simple recipe of just powdered cement. Uh, Portland cement is a real common name for the cement powder that's available in most places, but you can use any kind of powdered uh, masonry cement and um, mixed with water and then adding a foam. And we make our foam out of dish detergent with a foam generator that turns it into a thick lather that looks like shaving cream. But there's a lot of other different foaming agents on the market uh, and different ways of producing a foam, but it's basically just that. It's just cement, water, and a foam. And the foam is what expands the volume. It introduces the air. Okay. So instead of being like super dense, solid concrete, it's more like a sponge. Well, it's not sponge-like in that it's not, it doesn't absorb water like a sponge, but it's full of, or a sponge has open cells. Uh, aircrete has closed cells and but it is it's full of air like a sponge would be full of air interesting yeah i think in your ted talk you demonstrate that a block made of aircrete actually floats in water which it's just the weirdest thing to see because you expect something that looks like a concrete block to sink straight to the bottom right yeah but it, it floats you can actually make it any density you want uh, but the the material that we make is has good structural integrity and lightweight enough to be a good insulating material. So I guess the next question in my mind is, do you just like what do you then do with this this aircrete? Do you do you fill it into a form or do you make bricks from it? Like what's the next step in the process after you've created this this foaming machine and mixed up your your air cream. yeah well you know there's a lot you can do with it it's pretty much open to whatever you can imagine to do with it but basically it's a you know it's a liquid material kind of like a pancake batter and it needs to be contained in a way in some kind of form uh, you you know, we build domes out of blocks that we make out of it. We'll pour a slab and then cut it up into blocks and then build domes with the blocks. And you can cut it just like, like with a cookie cutter. You don't really need a saw or anything. You can just, uh, like when it's about less than 24 hours cured, you can just push a blade right through it and slice it up into blocks. So it's super easy to work with. But you can, um, you know, you can build, you could form an entire building. And there are companies that do that and just pour it into the form, kind of like the way we build basements in, in the U.S. But you could build a, you know, a double walled form for an entire building or for panels that you assemble into a building. Um, yeah, so it's really, you know, that is the art of forming it, I think, is one of the most interesting arts because the material itself is really simple. So after, so you, you mentioned that 24 hours in, you can easily kind of push a cookie cutter right through it. How long 
after that, do you have to wait to work with the blocks? You can work with it within 24 hours. In our workshops, we we are working, like we'll make the aircrete one afternoon and the next morning we'll be cutting it up and building with it because, you know, it's pretty fragile, but you can handle it and you can build with it right away and then it'll just cure in place. It You know, it, it continually cures for, well, you could say forever, but in a, in a month's time, it's gained over 90% of its hardness and its strength. But it's, you know, it's it's strong enough the next day to build with. And within a week, it's, you know, really pretty hard. And then within a month, it's really solid. You know, you could drive a car on it. So do you use significantly less concrete than you would if you were just not building? with this style? Yeah, well, we, we're expanding the volume about six times of what you would, norm, you know, of normal concrete. Yeah, that's, that's pretty significant, I would say. Yeah, so five parts of the material is air and one part solid material. So, it, you know, that's, that's why it's so inexpensive. It's why it's got good insulation value. It's also why it's easy to work with, it's lightweight, and because there's no sand or gravel in it, you can cut it and carve it and shape it with woodworking tools. It doesn't dull your tools. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't dull them, but it doesn't dull them to the point where you can't use them for cutting aircrete. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's a, and it has all the, or a lot of the amazing uh, qualities as concrete. Where it's waterproof and fireproof, insect-proof. It won't rot or decay. It's very alkaline, so it's mold-resistant. Uh, it's durable and long-lasting. It's you know, it's just a really great material, just as concrete is. Yeah, it seems fantastic um, for for so many of the reasons that you've just described and. One of them that you haven't mentioned yet, but you definitely talk about in your TED Talk is is the affordability piece and how this can be used to build really affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it's the material costs of a aircrete structure it's very low. It's we we calculate about one dollar per square foot per inch of thickness. So, in other words, if you have a thousand square foot building and the walls are four inches thick, it, the material cost is going to be about $4,000. That includes the foundation slab, the walls, the arches, doorways, windows, the window frames, you know, all the entire aircrete structure finished with a reinforcing skin on it. That's incredible. I don't know of many other building techniques that are that low per square foot, except maybe Cobb. But Cobb is extremely time-consuming. Is this faster? Yes, yes. Very labor-intensive. And depending on the climate you're in, it's, you know, it's not near as long-lasting or durable. And, you know, I've built with Cobb you know, when I lived in Asia. And I love it. I mean, I love the naturalness uh, of having uh, you know, clay as a material. But um, I tell you, the termites loved it. And when it rained, you know, you, you, you can't really let a cow building 
meet the ground or uh, you have a lot of problems. What I like is to have an aircrete structure with a clay finish on the interior, a clay plaster. So you have your natural materials inside and your durable, durable materials on the outside. Yeah, that sounds like you get the best of both worlds. You almost get the feeling of a cob dome on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the outside, do you have to do anything to kind of seal up these blocks? Like, is there any kind of laminate or finish on the outside? Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. Aircrete is pretty brittle. And so it needs to be reinforced, really, and sealed. So we use a reinforcing roofing fabric that we put on, we cement over the top. The, the aircrete itself is easy to shape. So when we, we, build, we build the blocks, and because they're rectangular blocks and they all have right angle corners and everything, it's fairly rough. And then we, we have a rasp that we make out of an expanded metal diamond lath, if you know what that is. But it's anyway, it's just a rasp. And then we, we smooth it all off and then we glue cement on. It's, we use a latex bonding agent with cement and water and this reinforcing fabric and put over the entire dome. And that creates a crack-proof surface, much like how sheetrock has a piece of paper on it. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But if you, know, if you cut through the paper, the brittle gypsum inside just breaks easily. But we're doing this similar thing with the aircrete. It's a brittle material in the wall, but the surface is very strong and crack-proof. And then we also put a sealer over that, either latex paint or some other kind of sealer. Yeah. When you were describing that, I was actually envisioning a surfboard with a foam core that's very light and brittle. And then, you know, you put a fabric on the outside and cover that with either epoxy or fiberglass. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's so similar. That's pretty much exactly the building method it's, and and this this reinforcing fabric that we use with the latex cement it's so much like fiberglass i'm so surprised this isn't more popular as a building material because it's amazing you know where fiberglass for one thing it's expensive and it's super toxic and awful to work with i mean you do not want to breathe that stuff but it's basically a, a fabric with a you know, an epoxy, like a glue. And that's the same thing we do with this reinforcing fabric. But instead of a fiberglass, we use, it's a polyester fabric, which won't rot or decay and it's very strong. And then we put a mixture of cement and latex bonding agent, and it gives you a, a surface, I mean, a material that's as strong as fiberglass. I mean, if you do five or six layers with it and put a little sand in it too, it's bulletproof. So I know it's it's probably hard to compare to traditional like stick framing, but I'm curious time-wise how how fast can somebody build a a small dome, you know, maybe a 150 square foot 
dome versus a 150 square foot stick framed structure? Is it comparable or is one a whole lot faster than the other? Well, we build a 200 square foot dome in our 10 day workshops. Nice. And, and that, and that includes the front, you know, the oval wooden front door with the door frame around it all installed and, and the window, the round windows and skylight. And so we can finish one in 10 days. And some, we've actually done two domes in 10 days in a couple of the workshops where people really got enthusiastic and they worked late into the evening. Uh, you know, there's, but still, you know, it's fairly that, that type of building where you're mixing your aircrete and making your forms and making your blocks and then stacking your blocks and smoothing them and then applying a reinforcing fabric. It's still fairly uh, labor intensive as compared to if you had a form where you could just pump the aircrete into it and take the form off and voila, there it is. So, it, you know, when you ask the question, how quick is it? It really depends on the sophistication of your method. Sure. And it just seems that the block method, I'm envisioning that that could be done pretty much anywhere. Yep. Whereas having some fancy form would require, you know, more specialized tools to cut the forms and more time to build the form. And then, yeah. You know, if you were if you were a contractor or if you were, you know, a disaster relief company and you want to do lots of buildings, then it would make sense to invest in the forming. Uh -huh. But for a do-it-yourself builder who just wants to build themselves a small house, the block method works great. I mean, we, you know, we've been building buildings with blocks forever. I think that's the the first way that anything was ever built maybe and we still do that i mean a lot of our government buildings are even made out of these little clay bricks like you know and they're still built that way giant buildings with little bricks so when i see that then it really you know i look at the way we build it we're our bricks are one foot square and uh and they're so easy to work with so it's it's a you know it's a very legitimate way of building nice I'm curious because I'm I'm dreaming of of a dome here in Vermont. I'm sure there are some, but I'm curious how how it stands up to freezing temperatures and the freeze thaw cycle. Yeah, it's really good in that case. Uh, it I mean aircrete was actually invented or reinvented in Scandinavia and it's been used in Scandinavian country in Northern Europe and Russia for a long time. They, it's a big industry around the world, but especially in those cold climates. It's nothing new. It's new to the U.S. I don't know why it's taken so long. Maybe the lumber and steel industry have somehow lobbied to keep it out, but... Um, it's a very well-established material that's being used in cold climates for a long time. My other question is goes to the other end, which is, can it be used for like a masonry oven, like a, or like a pizza oven or a dome oven? Yeah, yeah, we we've built pizza ovens out of them, and in that case, we use a basalt fiber for reinforcement. Okay. 
that way it's more heat resistant. Mm-hmm. So is that like a, a rock wool type thing or a what? Well, there's there's insulation called rock wool that's made out of that's made out of stone that turns that they turn into a fiber. Oh, that might be the same thing. I'm not sure. We ordered it, it was called basalt fiber, a company we ordered it from that had basalt mesh and basalt rebar and basalt uh, fiber. So, but it might be the same thing as rock wall, rock wall. So you then, so you took that fiber and then you, how did you laminate it? We just mixed it in with the aircrete. Oh, okay. Very cool. Or very hot, I should say. Yes. Yeah. So what are some other applications for aircrete? I, one of the YouTube videos I found, a gentleman was building bricks and then laying them down to create a patio. But I'm mm-hmm. now I'm thinking that if they are so brittle, they might not be a great paving, a paver stone. Well, once again, you can make it a lot of different recipes. So if you're going to make a paving stone, you want it a little stronger. So you I would suggest adding a little sand, like you can go one-to-one to cement and sand, and then you've got a really strong aircrete. And you can put less foam in it if you want it stronger. You can put reinforcing fibers in it if you want it stronger. So you can certainly make it strong enough to make paving stones or sidewalks. The surface of it, isn't as durable. Well, let me say the lighter weight you make it and the less sand is in it, the less durable the surface is. So you might want to put a hard a hardener just on the surface, like a, a wash of cement of, with sand in it. It can just be thin and just to make the surface more durable. But it's, uh, yeah, it's strong though. What are some other applications that you you have used it for yourself or that you see it used for? Well, it's a great sculpting material for all outdoor sculptures because it's, you know, it's not vulnerable to the elements and it's really easy to carve. So that I think is a great use for it. That's basically what we do. We build homes and use it for sculpting. What else would you use it for? In the industry, it's used a lot in bridge bridge decking and in the mining company. I'm sure there's other things you could use it for too. Floating docks would be a really nice use for it. Any anytime you need to make something that floats, you know, who knows? It might even be practical to make a boat out of. Yeah, that's cool. I think I think they made concrete boats during like World War One or two. Yeah, they still make them ferro-cement boats where it's a, it's a cement shell. The hull is made out of cement and steel. It's called ferro-cement. Okay. Super strong. So when you are building a dome home, what do you do for the, the floor and the foundation? Is it right? Is it on the earth or do you do a, an aircrete slab? Yeah, of course, it depends on the ground. It depends on your climate. You know, if you're in Vermont, you may want to get below the frost level so you don't have to, you know, that's typically what's done in climates like where you are. 
is you know you put a a, a footer down below the frost level so the because if frost gets underneath your foundation it can cause heaving and cracking but I think there's other ways of doing it too where you um, you put it on a bed of gravel so it allows all the moisture to drain away so here you know i'm building in hawaii and we built in asia and so typically we're building in the tropics of course our workshops we've done some in northern climates we did one in canada even and uh, we we just use aircrete foundations aircrete makes a great foundation Actually, the largest cob house in the world. It's the four foot thick walls. You can you can Google it. It was one of the grand design uh, shows. And three story high, four foot thick walls, just massive building, weighs a ton. They put it on an aircrete foundation. Wow. But that even that even surprised me, <laughs> but. It makes a good foundation, and it makes good floor slab also. Would it be the same situation that you were talking about with the pavers, where you would advise people to cut down on the amount of foam or add some sand so that the foundation is a little less brittle? No, I wouldn't, you know, because brittleness isn't a problem for a foundation so much because, uh, you know, there's two forces basically pushing and pulling compression and tension and the weight of your building is putting compression forces on your foundation and adding reinforcing doesn't add compression strength. It only adds tensile strength. So it depends on, you know, we build round foundations because we're building round buildings and we'll put a perimeter of uh, reinforcing fabric just around the entire foundation. It acts as our form and reinforcing. And that's all we do. I mean, you might end up with some like minor cracking in the slab itself, although that's the subfloor, but you'll always see that even in a steel reinforced concrete foundation. So, you know, and because our focus is on creating low cost structures, we're not really interested in unnecessary expenses like putting steel reinforcing where it's not really needed, especially when steel undermines the life of concrete. Steel is one of the most reactive elements there is. It oxidizes very quickly. That's what rust, you know, rust is the oxidation of steel or of iron. And that that will destroy concrete within a hundred years in most cases. Whereas concrete will last thousands of years. The Roman Empire, if they used steel in their buildings in Rome, they would have had to rebuild it over 15 times already. Because there's no steel in, in the Roman structures. They're, they still exist. Yeah, there was... There was a great podcast episode, um, 99% Invisible is the name of the show. It's all about design. And they did a whole episode about how all the steel reinforced concrete bridges and roadways and buildings that we built in the 40s and 50s, when they saw this as this miracle material, 
the steel is rusting and the rust causes expansion and that cracks the concrete and, you know, everything is, is falling apart way before it was supposed to. Yes, I know it's a disaster. Let's talk about how to learn how to do this. You mentioned you offer workshops in aircrete dome building. Yes, yeah, pretty much every month we have one going on somewhere. And tell me about what's the format, how long do they last, you know, what's what's a workshop like? Well, typically they're a 10-day workshop. We have done some month-long trainings and we have done some one-day trainings, you know, which is more of an introduction to aircrete. During like when we did our month-long training, That was a teacher's training. And so we had our students teaching one-day workshops during the week, one one or two days a week. And it turned out to be really great because, you know, we had our project going on and there was a lot to see and people could learn a lot in one day just by they didn't get their hands so experienced, but they got a real hit of what what it takes. Um, And we're, we're planning to implement that again here in Hawaii, maybe even as early as July. But uh, most of our workshops have been 10-day workshops that we do in different places around the world for other other projects. We usually try to find a humanitarian project or some kind of organization that's socially active and projects that we like to support. And so we'll will build something for them and uh, in exchange them hosting the workshop. And, you know, we, we build pretty much from start to finish. We usually have the foundation in place before we start the workshop. Otherwise we'd be like set back two or three days. Um, and sometimes we'll even have some of the blocks pre-made, but usually it's just, you know, we, we show up a few days before and get everything set up and then the students arrive and 10 days later, there's a dome there. and Everyone has learned how to do it. That's fantastic. Do you have like a book or a, an instructional course or something, you know, for those who can't necessarily travel to a workshop or, or you know, take 10 days to do it? Yes, we have a couple things. We have our student manual, which is a real detailed step-by-step description, pictures, and written text of of the actual workshop. And we give that away when people buy our equipment. We have a package deal for buy our foam generator and our handheld foam injection mixer so that you can make aircrete, and then we give you the manual with it, along with uh, the architectural drawings of Steve's Dome Home, which is the dome that kind of made it aircrete famous. And, and then we also, one of our students made a video training course, and so we also promote his training course, Alosha, he's from Russia. And... Um, there's that, and we're planning to make a more up-to-date training course because we've we've developed quite a bit since Alosha started with us. He was at our very first workshop, but all of that's on our website store at domegaia.com. I was also curious, going back to cold climates, of how you might 
heat a dome home or warm one up. I'm I'm envisioning like a rocket mass stove or some kind of fireplace. What have you what have you done or what have you seen? Yes, one of our students in Michigan built a dome with a rocket mass heater. And um, what I would like to do is put radiant heat floor in it because aircrete's a really great material for using radiant heat flooring. You know, it's an insulating material. So you put your tubing on top of your aircrete slab, it's going to be insulated from the ground. And then you can also embed it right in the aircrete on top and then put a or you could embed it in a denser material for a finished floor, but depending on what you're going to put over it, you know, if you're going to tile over it or wood floor over it or whatever. But I really like the idea of radiant floor. Of course, you could do it with a rocket mass heater too. You know, it's really easy to put a chimney in aircrete because it's fireproof and it's very easy to cut a hole in it. Would you have to do that when the aircrete was still? slightly wet or could you even do that after it's cured yeah you could do it after it's cured too what do you cut it with after it's cured like say if you're going to cut a hole in a chimney you can use a sawzall you know if you have a if you if you've put a hard you know masonry stucco on the outside for instance then you would you know need like a diamond grinder to cut through that but then then the the aircrete you can just cut with a sawzall, or you can cut it by hand with a handsaw. It almost seems like it would make sense to put your chimney thimble or whatever whatever it would be referred to, put your chimney piece into the dome while you're building it and then do the finish around it and then it's just there, it's ready if you're in a cold climate. Yeah, you could do that too. Or you could put it in afterwards and just, you know, mortar it in with aircrete mortar. Well, it's it's a really fascinating method of building, and I've just really enjoyed learning about it in preparation for this interview and just uh, and now learning a whole lot more ab- about it after interviewing you. What are your what are your kind of goals for aircrete? Are, are there any projects underway to make it more of a mainstream option for affordable housing? Yes. I mean, that's basically my intent is to continue to to develop uh, methods that make it easier for the do-it-yourself builder. And um, we're getting ready to introduce some new equipment that's going to do that. Probably the most burdensome part of Eritrea is just the mixing of it. And uh, we've got a a new mixer. It's a, a mixer and a pump that produces 20 gallons of aircrete every minute continuously. So that's going to make it a lot easier. Like when you need it, like if you're going to pour a big aircrete slab or if you need to make a lot of blocks, it's, it's especially if you're doing it by yourself, the mixing of it is um, we're going to make that a lot easier. And, um, you know, we haven't actually attacked the whole permitting process yet. We need to get that also handled so that people know they can get a permit to build like this. You know, in Europe, it's very common to build with aircrete, but it's um, there isn't really a precedence 
in the U.S. yet. So uh, one of the days, one of these days, we're going to do a permitted structure here in the U.S. We, we've done one already in Costa Rica. One of our students there was an architect, and he got engineering approval and built one. But it hasn't been done in the U.S. yet. So the ones that you're building in Hawaii, are they, you just don't need to get them permitted? Right. Yeah, we're building in Lava Zone 1, where they pretty much let you do whatever you want to do. Because <laughs> it all might just uh, get co- covered in lava one day? It sure could. Just, you know, last year, 700 homes were buried. Yikes. Luckily, we weren't one of them. We were pretty close, though. But um, that was my strategy, was I wanted to build a model home here first and then get the engineering approval after. So we we still need to finish that project. Now that the volcano's over, we're going to get back to it. Well, if you want to come to Vermont, many towns do not enforce building code at all. So you just have to meet zoning. No kidding. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Once you get out of this city and the few surrounding towns around it, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Oh, that's nice. It's nice to know there's some places in the country where you're still free like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that that codes are there to, to prevent people from being hurt by their buildings. So it's a, it's a trade-off that we've We've made, we maybe didn't choose to make it. You and I didn't choose to make it, but it, it was made for us. Mm-hmm. Have you ever built, and I, I'm not, nothing against the dome home. I actually really love the dome. Have you ever built like a square house with the, with the bricks? Almost like, you know, more tr- quote unquote traditional shape. You know, I haven't, but it would certainly be a lot easier for instance, if you wanted to make a rectangular building uh, eight with eight-foot-tall walls, you could make a form eight, with, say, four-by-eight plywood on the ground with two-by-fours around it. Just pour your aircrete in it and then and lay the reinforcing fabric in the form. Pour your aircrete in it and then just stand it up. You could put your window in it before and just pour the aircrete around it or your door frame and just pour your aircrete around it and just stand it up. There's there's lots of companies that are doing those kind of buildings in Europe where they have eight-foot-tall panels that are just assembled together and they're all pre-made for the windows and doors and roofing and flooring. I, we, we have a cup. If you look under the gallery section on our website, there's some videos of some of those buildings. Well, I will definitely link to your website and some of the other resources we've talked about. Um, one thing that I really like to ask um, all of my guests is what are two or three resources? So, you know, books or people who inspired you, who kind of inspired you while you were working on this One of my favorite books is one called The Beginner's Guide to Constructing the Universe. And it's basically a book on numerology and geometry and just the the language of nature, how nature builds. And, um, And it's very simple. It's just 10 chapters. Each chapter is 
base is about the principle of each number from one to 10 or from zero to nine and just how they are represented in art and in nature and in design. I would highly recommend that in terms of anyone who wants to get into designing more harmonic spaces. Uh, I mean, one of the things that's inspired me is fabric forming and air form. And there's a, there's a book called, I can't remember the name of it, but it's put out by the University of Saskatchewan, I think it is. The architecture department there have done some really cool research and development on fabric forming concrete. They're not doing aircrete, but I see the how it could be translated into fabric forming aircrete where the fabric actually stays as part of the finished material. So that's something that's really inspiring me. Um, air forms are also, there's some books out on air forms that, you know, air form is when you basically blow air into something to inflate it and then using that as the form of your structure. And there's companies that build domes that way too, but they're very expensive. Uh, yeah, so there's a few of the books that have inspired me around design and building. Great. Thank you for that. Well, I'm feeling very inspired. Do you think that a pizza oven would be a good first aircrete project to kind of get my get my hands dirty? It would be. Yes. Yeah. Because I would imagine that it's kind of like building a dome house just, you know, at one quarter of the scale or. Yeah. Yeah, you that would you could definitely do it that way. And you could even use an exercise ball as an air form if you wanted. Oh, cool. You know, take a piece of plywood and cut a hole in it so part of the the ball goes through the hole and the mount that you want to have your pizza oven on top and then just lay your bricks up around that. Well, Hajar Gibran, thank you so much for for the work you've done here and for being so willing to share your, your knowledge and wisdom with, with us. Well, you're so welcome. You think, Oh, Ethan, I wanted to ask you once. And what was the name of that reference that you said to the, to steel and concrete? Ah, um, so it's a podcast called 99% invisible. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Basically the, the idea behind the title is that, 99% of design is invisible to us. We don't really realize all the design work that goes into everything. And the show really tries to focus on that, on the design of things. And um, I'll find that this particular episode and I'll email it to you and I'll put it in the show notes as well for anyone who's listening who wants to hear about it. Oh, great. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thank you so much to Hajar Gibran for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes, including links to all the resources that Hajar mentioned, the link to that podcast episode we talked about, photos of dome homes that Hajar has built, all at thetinyhouse.net slash 059. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 059. If you have a second and you enjoyed this episode, please share it on whatever social media channels you're active on. It really helps more people find the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks for all your support and great feedback. 
I'm Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.